NZR Sports, Icarus Canopies, now Gyro. That's right, we've rebranded, and Gyro is our next generation. It honours our founder, as that's the name we knew him by, but Gyro also marks the start of a new chapter. And not to be biased, but it's going to be fucking epic. Long story short, we're more us than ever. So if you're new to the sport, or even a Sky God Ninja Turtle, welcome. I think our valiant leader Lucy, Gyro's daughter, says it best. And we still got that fuck your attitude. <laughs> Rebrand! Woo! Rebrand woo indeed, Lucy. Anyway, head over to gyro.com for more info and get amongst your legends. I was 19, broke, unemployed, and sold my girlfriend's canopy for drug money. So, I thought I'd better sew her a new one. What a sentence, and what a story. This describes the humble yet outrageous beginnings of NZ Aerosports, the home of Icarus Canopies, in the words of our founder himself. From getting a paratrooper toy from his mom, watching parachutes at the DZ as a six-year-old, jumping off the wharf with a parachute made from bedsheets, doing his first jump at 16, sewing his first canopy on a borrowed machine at 19, and starting to sell parachutes out of a garage in 1986, Paul Gyro Martin had an undying love for the sky. Our company started with one man with the wildest of spirits in a true blue sky dream, a renegade. In the time that Gyro created and ran the Icarus Canopies brand until he passed away in 2017, he pushed everything he had to its limits. We miss him and we always will. Gyro is the next generation of NZ Aerosports. It honors our founder, of course, because it was the name we all knew him by, but Gyro the rebrand also marks the start of a new chapter, our next jump. Gyro is the space between sound and silence, art and science, chaos and calm. Gyro is a state of epic tranquility that transcends understanding. That moment, in the door, in free fall, mid-swoop, where nothing but the present exists. A perfect balance of euphoria and thrill. Gyro captures our passion for flying and our commitment to designing break-the-fucking-rules canopies that deliver pilots pure, wild flight. Hey gang, so I got a new book out. It's called The Upside of Fear, and it's exactly what you think it's about. It's about the good side of, well getting scared. In it, we talk not only about the science and biology behind fear, but the psychology as well. And it's not just coming from me, it's coming from some of the best in the sport. Omar Alhijalan, Jeff Provenzano, Maxine Tate, and so many more have contributed their sometimes terrifying stories to the book to help you overcome your fear. So head to the lunaticfringepodcast.com. You're going to find the link to the book there as well as the other books. It's available in ebook, paperback, hardback, and audiobook right now. Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! All right, back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe, into the void and straight into the conversation. Who the fuck are you, and what do you do? Uh, so I'm Simon Colmer, uh, and I'm a, I'm going to say kind of a semi-professional skydiver, but mostly uh, an IT person. <laughs> a semi-professional skydiving IT guy. All right, cool, cool. Yeah. So how are you a semi-professional at skydiving? 
Well, I mean, like I get paid to do some skydiving, but uh, you know, I'm not going to uh, <laughs> pretend it's my whole profession like a full tandem master will. You know what I mean? I'm that uh, standard sort of like, oh, that guy's an accountant, like except it's IT. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's always funny for me because obviously, especially deep into the sport, so many people are, that's all they do. So I'm always interested to talk to people that live in the real world as well as our world because they're so fucking different sometimes. Oh man, it's a, it's a trip, hey? Like, uh, so my nine to five Monday through Friday is basically arguing people in like the rat race (laughs) and uh, (laughs) looking at them all day, every day going, I can't wait to get through this so I can actually go out to where the real world is. I mean, does it give you uh, a a greater appreciation for our world? Because it's, I mean, from the outside, for me, it seems so fucking miserable. Oh, man. Uh, I mean, like, so (laughs) you got to have a profession, right? Like, you, um, do you have to? Uh, Let's say it's probably advisable to have a profession. Sure. And then kind of seeing the whole skydiving world, it's like, wow, that's so romantic. I really love the idea that you can go out there and your truth and all that nice stuff. Um, but yeah, you get so much perspective by, uh, by seeing in a cubicle and getting your soul crushed every day. <laughs> you, I mean, you would have to, and I mean, but I suppose it is a mixed bag because for the majority of professional skydivers, it's a feast or famine kind of lifestyle, right? I mean, you're, if you're a tandem instructor or an AFF instructor or whatever, your, your life is not in your own hands. It's in mother nature's hands most of the time. And, and so maybe you have a really good season or maybe you're, you know, eating the noodles from top ramen on Saturday and drinking the water on Sunday, <laughs> you know, I so top ramen. yeah, there you go. <laughs> that always just seemed like the, the trade-off is you get to, you know, live this passionate life, but you're going to be scraping by, or sometimes you do really good. But, uh, um, the flip side to that is you sit in a soul crushing cubicle and you might have a shitload of money, but you hate your life. <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely painting it in a negative light. It's really not that bad, but it certainly has its moments where you go, oh, wow, I could just run through that window right now. All right. Um, but I, I'll tell you what it does do. It gives you heaps of perspective of how fucking good skydiving is. Hey, right. um, It gives you a perspective of not just the thing we're doing, but how good the community and the culture is. You know, like we've obviously got access to all the type A personalities, you know, like all the high fives and the rest of it. And the beauty of watching someone coming into the game and, you know, like they're doing their AF and they're just a bit blah, blah, blah. And then a few years later, you know, they are just getting buck wild. They they don't jump with clothes on anymore. It's always naked. You right. know, they're living out of a van, <laughs> eating top ramen all day. And it's beautiful to watch people go through that transformation. Sure. Um, and it's and it's beautiful to have that context along what is probably a pretty conventional lifestyle. Well, now, do you think it also allows you uh, a little bit more mental relaxation in the so-called real world knowing that if you really got sick of it the naked jumps in the fucking trailer await you oh well i mean step one i've actually got a trailer so you know <laughs> naked jumps like there you go <laughs> um uh, but yeah you know what man like i actually I thought about it a few times you know i really thought like uh maybe that tunnel instructor jobs for me maybe that uh that tandem master jobs for me um and you know just the just the reality of where my um uh, my actual sense of enjoyment is sure um i'm someone who uh likes to do something in extremes for short bursts of time <laughs> um yeah i uh yeah, if I had to enjoy what I did all the time, man, I would run out of enjoyment. 
So it's probably good that I do it in short bursts. Sure, sure. Well, and I th- I yeah. think that's where my luck came in too. And midway through my skydiving career, I switched to a flying portion, but I got to still enjoy the community, but with a completely different job and learn this new thing. And then as that started to get a little bit stale, I got to go back to jumping like it was brand new. Because, you know, I mean, you skip jumping for a while and it scares the piss out of you again. <laughs> it's fucking great. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, there's so there's so many different facets and so many different perspectives to skydiving, right? So there's obviously the pilot, the DZO, CI, and that's before you even really get into like the free fall style, right? Um, so like, uh, I've been jumping since 2013 or something like that, and you know, I've been a free fly coach for, for I mean, it's like six or something years. Mm. Um, I don't even know how many of my jumps are actually free fly coach jumps, but they're, they're, it's between some number and about a thousand, I think. Sure. Um, and so, you know, when you're in that game and you're trying to push your free flying forward and you're also trying to coach other people and stuff like that, you know, you kind of uh, sometimes lose perspective that there's other um, there's other angles to attack, you know, like with swooping and the rest of it. Um, and that's kind of the, the, the real joy of it is that, you know, like when you go, eh, I want to do something different, it's there for you. So sure. like, it's not just like real life in skydiving, well, not real life in skydiving, that's probably the wrong way to put it, you know, like that rat race life in skydiving. Right. And then within skydiving, there's like, you know, this perspective, this opportunity, blah, 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 blah. It's just freaking awesome how many dimensions there are to it. There really are. And well, and every time you start to get burned out on one, there's a dozen more you can go to for sure. For sure. And it also leads to so many other little things that kind of hover around skydiving, whether it be uh, base jumping or speed flying or all these different directions that you can go, even just outside the sport that's still part of the same community, which is pretty fucking cool. Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, I'm in your uh, conversation with Jeff Weatherall hmm. um, a few podcasts ago, that was hilarious. It's just like, you know that guy? I know this guy. That guy knows this guy. It's just like, ah, it's, the, the, the game is so small. Oh, yeah. It's so awesome. It, I mean, it used to be the whole six degrees of separation, but in skydiving, it's like one. You know, I mean, if I don't <laughs> know you, I know a dozen people that do. Uh, it's just that small oh, of a God. sport, which is amazing. Now, before we get too far ahead, because I definitely want to dive into the skydiving portion of it, I want to know how you got started in all this shit. Did you do crazy, extreme, stupid shit as a kid, or you know, how did you get into it? Uh, I mean, I'm probably there's two ways to kind of attack it. Um, you know, as a as a as a younger person, uh, I was sort of. Uh, younger person i still consider myself young i'm only 35 but definitely was younger um you know i was uh you know some stuff happened you know uh parents basically split when i was a kid um and uh you know kind of got a got a mixed in with the wrong crowd a little bit for Mm. periods of time um and you know that kind of uh whets the appetite for getting into some pretty gnarly stuff so you know i eventually found my way into um you know like snowboarding uh, which was kind of to to whet the appetite um i've got a pretty big background in like um uh, powerlifting and bodybuilding and stuff like that which didn't really kind of lead me to skydiving but i've always been interested in in sort of like getting the heart pumping and doing something that's a bit weird and and crazy not necessarily for any external validation just because it was it's just nice to do something that you go this is a bit wild. Yeah. Um, I eventually found my way to, to motorcycling, ah. um, which is, uh, yeah, I got into motorcycle racing and, and, and raced, uh, you know, some, some good Japanese bikes and ended up on a Ducati 1199S, which was awesome. And, uh, <laughs> oh, baby. Oh, um, but yeah. yeah, with that bike, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't allow myself to ride that thing on the road anymore because it was kind of getting blurry when it was track time, when it was road time. Ooh. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I didn't have a spill on the Ducati, um, but uh, but yeah. So you know, for me, there's always been this 
perpetual feeling of like, how do I juice more out of this? You know what right. I mean? Um, how do I get this really exciting moment? But it, it wasn't really those, those activities that kind of led me to skydiving. That was just kind of me laying the, the groundwork for, um, you know, what it is that I consider to be my, my lifestyle. And, you know, realistically, those things that I did were, were lifestyle choices. They're sure. not something that you just go and pick up and do on a Sunday like golf, you know what I mean? Like not putting down golf. Right. Um, meanwhile, I suck at golf. But, you know, <laughs> like you, you, you do things that kind of inspire, you know, like you're, you're around some cool people who do some crazy stuff. But um, what really kind of set the whole thing in motion was um, I was in a plane accident in um, <clears throat> October 2008. Um, Wait a second. Uh, hang on. I'm going to stop you. you <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so airplane accidents are what keep people out of skydiving. You got in an airplane accident and it led you to skydiving? Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> in a sort of a roundabout way. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a plane accident. Um, what happened? Uh, I, I well, it was it was it was sometime in late 2008, and I was on my way back from um, from uh, from Singapore to Perth, taxiing back to to Melbourne, um, and uh, I'm there cruising. Uh, like I'm not, it was a PlayStation Portable. I remember playing this PlayStation Portable handheld game. I'm just cruising, and I remember seeing everything in the uh, the seat pocket in front of me just go poof, straight up to the roof. I'm like, what the actual fuck just happened there? And lo and behold, in the walkway, there's a dude floating. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is this dude there floating? And why is the food cart there also floating? Oh, Jesus. Um, it made, and you know, like it made no sense. And, you know, like um, knowing what I know about it now, it's like we actually did a, um, first it was a 20 second drop uh, in free fall, pulled, a, I think a G or something like that. Right. Uh, and then uh, that came to a boom. And then, you know, everything, everything set. Um, and you know, it was, it was actually the gnarliest one. There's actually two drops. And in that first drop, you know, people hit the roof and dislodged panels. Jesus. Um, you know, like, yeah, well, you know, the cupboards where you put all your, 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 ch- your, your carry on luggage and stuff like that, you know, doors come off, doors yeah. were actually falling off. Um, people had hit the roof so hard that they actually hit the cabin with their head and punctured a, you know, a whole head size hole <laughs> in the cabin. Hell. And, uh, you know, there I am just trying to work out what the hell just happened. Like I've still got my PlayStation portal in my hand going, pause the game. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> it good made sense. Pause the game. Um, <laughs> and there was a mask in front of me. I'm like, what's this mask doing here? You know, like it was, it was just, it was just such a weird experience. I'm like, do I grab that mask? No one else has got a mask. So I reach for it. <laughs> anyway, the lady in front of me, she grabs the mask. I'm like, what's going on here? And the pilot comes on the phone. He's like, yo. He didn't say yo, but you know, he's like, yo, you know, seatbelts on. We've just had a, you know, an unexplained uh, descent, um, blah, 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 blah. And then people are like, oh, my God. Sure. And so then this, the second uh, the second drop is like 16 seconds or something like that. And uh, that's the one where everyone goes, holy shit, myself included. Um, and uh, yeah, all that, all that uh, TV stuff of life flashing before your eyes, man, um, 16 seconds of uh, hearing... <laughs> I, I, I have never heard myself scream the way I remember I did. Like, that's the only time I've heard myself <laughs> give that, like, holy shit, my life is ending scream. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was super gnarly. Yeah, it um, had to be. Fucking hell. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's documentaries about it. Um, uh, QF72, if anyone's interested, you can watch a whole bunch of stuff on YouTube and, like, all these other things on, like, proper, like, air crash investigations. So, we... we we uh we start making our way to this uh this this airport in Western Australia in like the desert, and uh, I'm 
I'm at this point going, you know, like the pilot's not giving us an assurance that we're actually going to be okay right. at this point. Like, you know, whatever. Pull the phone out, manage to get a bar reception, send a message to my mum. We've had a plane accident. I'm not sure if we're going to make it. I love you. Boom, message sent. No reception anymore. Just get the one message out. <laughs> um, the pilot actually manages to land us at this uh, this Air Force base in the middle of the desert in Western Australia. And we're stuck there for like 14 hours. You know, we get off safely, except for the, obviously the people who are hurt. Right. And, um, and so, yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty crazy. They fly planes in to come pick us out. So here we are, a bunch of people being in this plane accident. It's like, get straight back on the plane. Um, and yeah, we got out of there. But um, how did that? Yeah, real, real experience. How the fuck does that lead you, even in a roundabout way, to want to jump out of an airplane? Ah, uh, well, I mean, I had PTSD for a couple of years. Yeah. And so, yeah, I saw, uh, yeah, unsurprising. Um, and uh, 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 saw a you know a psychologist to kind of help make sense of it. And you know, like part of that was a list is just like you know some this this stuff that you know i'd put off for so long and there was this sense of catharsis with ticking it off you know go do this get heaps of tattoos blah 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 and then the last thing was skydiving and i put it off for a long time heaps long time um about five years Mm. and uh and uh so yeah it came to this point where you know things were you know still a bit difficult and it's like uh oh shit there's that list with that thing that skydiving thing and mind you i am terrified of heights like i live in a balcony in a, an apartment i don't like being on the balcony right, right. like if, yeah <laughs> yeah i, feel I don't you. like standing on a table i still like standing on tables yeah. right it doesn't yeah. make sense um but so yeah i go i go i'm like oh cool i want to do a skydive well i'm only going to do one ever famous last words of course better not be a tandem so i'm going to do a do an f and uh you know check into this place called skydive nagambi in victoria and um yeah i do one and i'm like holy crap i'm a falling sack of meat in the sky changed everything for me sat down on my own for 20 minutes uh and i walked back up to the manifest i'm like yo give me give me a give me another jump and yep. like nearly nine years later i haven't stopped you know it's funny especially that you mentioned ptsd because i i think people really underestimate how different in what different forms that that can come in ptsd is fucking common anything that fucked you up momentarily uh, or, or for whatever can come back to haunt you and they People don't get it. Um, and I've dealt with it as well. I had a, a real bad near miss with a motorcycle accident in L.A. literally five lifetimes ago. Um, and it come it came back to bite me like a, a, like a year and a half later, just out of the blue, fucking panic attacks and all that shit. And, yeah. and it was the yeah. same kind of thing. Man, I stopped drinking anything with caffeine. I wouldn't touch alcohol or drugs or anything like that i'm like something's wrong yeah. i don't know what it is and i couldn't figure yeah, yeah, out yeah. what it was and skydiving kind of helped me out with that as well because i was scared as fuck of the idea of going out and making a jump but you do something that scares you and you not only survive it but you have fun doing it man that'll change your perspective oh totally man yeah i mean uh, uh i'm you know skydiving certainly helped with the journey of kind of healing but certainly didn't make the problem go away you know like there's a whole bunch of hard work that needs to go in to try and get your shit together yeah um and you know there's been a a fairly extensive road to try and get on top of that but you know like whilst having the the beautiful journey of skydiving that that it is um you know i've kind of had the the ability to draw water from the well so to speak from a, a really fucking positive environment and sort of overcome that i am still scared as fuck about planes though like i still am in the plane 
uh, often going like i don't like planes yeah <laughs> and lucky there's not a heap of turbulence in in jump aircraft like there is in commercial planes where the whole thing just shakes and you're like i haven't got a rig on my back oh my god i don't want to be right. here um, <laughs> well that was one of the weird transitions for me when i went from jumping uh to flying is obviously when you're jumping you're watching your altimeter and as a skydiver i didn't like being in the plane any more than most jumpers do so you wait for that magic altitude where you know you can fucking get out Okay, I'm I'm good. Uh, I can breathe now. It doesn't matter because I'm right near the door and I can get out. But then I took the rig yeah. off and sat up front and I went, well, fuck. <laughs> yeah. I've got, got a good mate. Hmm? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, sorry, man. I'm just going to tell this story. I've got a good mate of mine, Mason Corby, who, you know, I'm sure, sure your listeners have heard of this guy before. Uh, he's an all-time Aussie legend, hey? Like, just full weapon, this guy. And... Um, you know, we, we, we've been friends for a long time. He's actually my, um, uh, one of my first tunnel coaches. Mm. And, uh, he, uh, he said to me like, you know, you know what, Colmo, like if a plane breaks apart at like 30,000 feet, I'm going to have the best time. I'm like, what are you talking about, Mason? You, you're going in, buddy. And he's like, everyone is going to be there and free fall, like trying to work out what's happening. And I'm just going to go and fly up and high five everybody. And they'd be like, what am I seeing? Thinking they're full tripping. He's like, it's the best flight I'm ever going to have. Yep. 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 <laughs> oh, dude. I yeah. did a flight. I think uh, about that often when I'm in the plane. I think it was uh, um, either my first or second year in the sport, second year in the sport. And I got hired by a guy by the name of Will Forche to go shoot the, the landings portion of a video he did called Lemmings, which was for Bridge Day. Uh, so I basically <laughs> stood on the ground and watched people drill themselves in all day long. And on the way there, it was, I think, eight or nine of us, the skydivers all sat together in this commercial flight, got on a conversation, a loud conversation, as skydivers do, about what we would do if the airplane broke up and we were out in free fall. And, of course, everybody's talking all that same shit, but all these passengers are listening to us talking horrible <laughs> stuff. So there were not a lot of happy people on that flight as we're talking about, yeah, we'll get an eight-way going and do this and do that. And then FAA is going to really wonder how all these people ended up dying holding hands. You know, it was just – I don't think anyone else appreciated oh, our humor. <laughs> so No, it's 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 – yeah, it's so easy to get stuck into those jokes, eh? Yeah, yeah, but they're fucking fun, man. I mean, that's that uh, that's yeah. that dark humor that uh, Scott Evers seemed to grow into with the sport. You know, I think you kind of have to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. so you got started in jumping by uh, um, doing the first AFF and fell in love with it right away. And then, what was the progression for you? Um. Man, I tell you, I was not a gifted skydiver when I first started, and I'm not a gifted skydiver now. Uh, <laughs> there's been a, a lot of hard work. Like on my first AF, like I'm, uh, I'm a, I'm a thick boy, right? Like I'm about uh, 97 kilo, which is like I think it's like 220 pounds or something yeah, like that. That's fast fall rate. But I, yeah, I was 105 out uh, like like before gear when I did my AF. Wow. And. Uh, Oh yeah, I lost uh, I lost one of my app instructors because I full de-arched, like but a full starfish, mind you, the perfect ninja star, but de-arched, like the most inefficient like app position ever, um, and that that was kind of the 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 hallmark of my beginning is skydiving. Hey, it was just like could not exit an aircraft to say, well, I mean exit yeah, but not well, right? Uh, Four fifty jump. Um, but yeah, just kind of really dealing with the whole. I am a heavy boy, and flat flying just seems to not be for me. Yeah. Um, and I remember back then, uh, dropzone.com, like the forums was a big thing because Facebook was at, you know, in, in infantile sort of level of state. Yeah. Um, and so I found a, uh, 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 an advert for a tunnel camp in, in Singapore to go and fly with, with John Walker from Eloy Techs. Oh, wow. Um, and 
Yeah, and I'd, I'd seen yeah, I'd seen a few free flyers around the drop zone. I didn't really quite appreciate what was going on. Mm. And at the time, actually, a whole bunch of them had sort of moved on to other drop zones, which was, you know, just kind of part of the, the ebb and flow of things in, in, in my state of Victoria in Australia. Sure. Um, but yeah, so then that that tunnel camp, I remember I, I did six hours and I'm like, wow, number four. Um, yeah. And so I, I'd never done any free flying, free, free fly in the sky. And so I came back from that camp and my first free fly jump was like an eight way, uh, which was like, <laughs> it was uh, a little loose, uh, but yeah, uh, it, it is what it is. Um, and so that kind of, that kind of set me up as just like, I really dig this free fly stuff. Sure. And I just went hammer and hammer and tong. I just ate up every hour tunnel I could find, you know, I did like 30 or something hours in like two years. Um, you know, I, I was just blowing four, 400 jumps a year on whatever it is I could. And it was all free fly. The, sure. All of it was free fly. Um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of the, the trajectory. And I did a, just a ton of free fly jumps before I became a, a free fly coach. Sure. Um, my, uh, my drop zone operator was like, you know, we need, need someone to help out here. And, you know, like I found myself in a position where I was, you know, one of the more senior free flies of the drop zone. So I, I took that on and, you know, super rewarding experience, like, sure. you know, what it's like to teach someone, like you want to master something teaching someone is kind of what you, you do to really kind of check your knowledge. You Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. Well, it makes you focus. Yeah. It makes you hyper-focus on what you're doing and have to try and find a way to impart that to someone else, not just in a way that makes yeah. sense, but in a way that makes sense specifically to them. Big time. Yeah. And, you know, you've got to be, uh, you've got to actually understand what motivates people so you can understand what motivates you, how to communicate. Do you understand the engineering of how this body flight stuff works? Because you can't just always tell a student, feel without the ability to kind of describe it in any sense exactly. you know what i mean exactly um, yeah and it, that was that was kind of that was kind of the game now um it's so like a lot of the modern free flyers you got your edge and learned um the nuances of it in a tunnel uh and i've always had a, a not even a love hate relationship but a love anger relationship with the tunnel because i started out as a bit of a tunnel rat in the vegas tunnel but it was not a modern tunnel it didn't fly like these yeah. do so it taught me how to fly a bunch of cloth so of course camera jacket came in <laughs> for me was perfectly natural to put on a set of wings um but you couldn't free fly in this tunnel you couldn't learn any of the skills that that you can learn nowadays and i've been able to talk to lots of different people and everybody agrees and i do as well that the tunnel is fantastic um, for progressing the sport but it still irks me a little bit that someone with a bunch of tunnel time and in a one one hundredth of the jumps can fly circles around me <laughs> oh man yeah i mean i think it's it's the burden of experience you know for you know your generation my generation it's yep. like with every generation if we've done our job right the next generation is that much better oh, and yeah. they will fly around you very quickly you oh, know yeah. what i mean and you know like now we're many generations ahead of the current generation coming through and you know like i, I get i get people coming up to me like oh man i can't get this flock and roller to work i'm like dude you have 300 jumps calm the actual fuck down <laughs> right like, dude upset about oh, i can't get this head up flock and roller to work i'm like head up flock and roller i just heard about this the other year dude yeah settle down yep that it's it cracks me up and and uh, i love seeing it though and it <sighs> 
I kind of put ego aside enough to know I'm not even going to be in the top half of jumpers at a drop zone. I'm basically back to student status with a lot of the shit that's happening now, and I'm fine with that. I'm also, uh, I love now being a, a more of a spectator because a lot of the shit that's being done now, I don't even want to try and do. It just looks too fun, too much, man. So it's, it's super cool um, for me to be able to see this progression, especially since I got started in a windy tube so many fucking years ago. Um, but yeah, part of me is like, oh, God damn it, man. I got started a little, a little late. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you've been around long enough to know in, in life and in skydiving, like you can reinvent yourself, you can oh, sure. reinvigorate yourself, and, you know, you can, you can, you can effectively start again or you can keep building, you know what I mean? Um, and I think that's a really, a really important hallmark to the skydiving thing is that you're going to, you're going to trip up along the way and you're going to potentially have demotivation points and stuff like that. But you can you can put the hammer down again. Sure. Um, oh, absolutely. Well, and and I was lucky enough to take relatively large breaks and then get the urge to go jump again. And once a skydiver, always a skydiver. You know, you're going to have it forever. Um, and for me, being able to shed the working skydiver title and just go out and be a fucking fun jumper is yeah. phenomenal because now it's I jump oh. when I want to jump and I'm a fair weather skydiver and I go out and have fun and do whatever the hell I want to do like I had my 25th anniversary what a month and a half ago and went out and did a solo Damn. just jumped out of the airplane and fucking fell oh, wait, really <laughs> yeah legend just He's fucking legend t-shirt and shorts and just did a solo from 13,000 feet and I remember the only thing that I thought on the way down was the skin on my arms never used to move this fucking much <laughs> Uh. <laughs> i'm like yep i put oh, a few years on <laughs> oh dude like uh yeah if you, if, if you ever want to be humbled uh get footage of yourself skydiving uh topless or naked or whatever and you go so yep. i am effectively back in the box the yep. ego has been checked <laughs> oh yeah yeah well i learned that lesson a long time ago because uh, i started shooting in in vegas and shooting videos all the time and every year the adult industry um uh, awards would come through the um, the porn Wait, awards. Shoot, shooting adult films? Is um, that what you mean? Uh, no, no, like shooting uh, uh, skydiving videos. Uh, but because the oh, porn... I thought you were shooting porn. No, no, no. God, no. God, no. The porn convention <laughs> would come through Vegas every year, though, and every single year, some porn star would want to do a skydive naked. Or because it's Vegas, somebody wants to jump naked, and every time you'd shoot one of those videos, you're in free fall just going, oh, Jesus, God. Oh, oh, it's just not good. <laughs> Just, I'm sure it feels great, but it looks like hell. <laughs> oh, 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 dude, yeah, the body is just not meant to be subjected to that in free fall. Hey? No, no, it's not. So, yeah, that was my wake-up call on my 25-year anniversary was, wow, okay, yep, it, things are starting to change. <laughs> so, yeah. you're yeah. you're still balancing that with the, the real world, which is still, I'm always astounded when people are able to effectively do both. But, I mean, you're a super active mm -hmm. jumper as a, a part-time job, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I've done, I think it's like nearly 3,000 jumps in like eight and a half years, which is pretty good for, I just do weekends and events, I think. Sure. Um, uh, but, you know, when you love it, you love it. Um, you know, I mean, I've, I kind of, at the beginning of our, our chat, kind of <laughs> kind of put down the rat race and office job and stuff like that. But the, the reality is I, <laughs> I actually really freaking like my job. Um, I just really struggle with the environment of being in the corporate environment where you've got to have this corporate fakeness and stuff like that sure um so I, I don't really hate it as much as maybe i'd describe that's probably unfair um but uh kind of 
kind of having the ability to recharge during the week to bring your best game for the weekend is pretty a pretty fortunate position as far as like trying to drive hard. Sure. Um, you know, I, I can think of a, a couple of people I know. Um, so there's a, there's a swooper over in, in uh, the USA called Richo Butts. Mm. Uh, he's actually an Aussie who's been living over there and the dude loves pink. Like, you know, if you don't know Richo, uh, you probably have seen him. Pink everywhere. Hmm. Pink, 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 pink. Um, uh, have I mentioned he's a legend? Anyway. Um, <laughs> so he, he's another IT dude as well. And so, like, you know, he, he's, he's had a, a pretty strong upward uh, trajectory. And, I, you know, I, I think it's because it's uh, with, with these IT people who do the IT thing, have a moment to recharge during the week so you can just put the hammer down on the weekend. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and, you know, like this, you know, call a spade a spade. Skydiving is not a... A, a, a game to save money you know like you don't come here to to buy a house no um and if you've got a career that can effectively finance the ability to to go hard then you're in a pretty pretty lucky position well and everybody that i've talked to that has the uh, or at least did the real world thing to get into skydiving it was that ability to not have to um get into jumping as a career to finance that career. Like for me and most of the jumpers I know, we became full-time skydivers because it was the only way we could keep jumping. It was just too expensive to do anything else. Um, so if you have the ability to finance being a weekend jumper with the gear you want to do and to go jump your ass off, a lot of people that ended up in the sport probably would have gone a route like that. It just wasn't an option for a lot of us. You know, I mean, fuck, I was a Vegas stripper for Christ's sakes. There was not a weekends were kind of when I made my money. So <laughs> I didn't have a choice. I lost $20 for you, my man. <laughs> <laughs> So now you you do events and you do uh, I'm assuming obviously not during the time of COVID that you do a fair bit of traveling for for events and stuff. Yeah, we used to. I actually in in preparation for this went actually what have I what have I done in terms of like international travel? And uh, it, it started to get pretty good. Like if I was to look at this list and go, you get to go and do this stuff. I'd be like, damn, that's good. So right. pretty. It's a pretty pretty nice list. I'm pretty excited. I've actually done it. So like. Uh, you know, I cut my teeth uh, on my first international boogie. Went to Germany with Mason and a, a mate of mine, Dale. I uh, did the German free fly boogie and heaps of tunnel and stuff. And then, you know, like, uh, I mean, you've obviously heard of Funny Farm. Like, yeah. Funny Farm. Dude. Actually, fu- I'm actually driving to farm on Thursday morning. Uh, we're, we're, we're doing it Saturday to Friday. I am stoked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Funny Farm has got an international reputation. There's no doubt. Oh man, yeah. I mean, my, my yeah, my yeah, farm. Goddamn. Um, yeah, we're pretty we're pretty lucky to have farm. Uh, Rogers obviously a full weapon. There's a whole bunch of people behind the scenes who who um, really make it happen and stuff like that. You know, like there's uh, there's a there's a lady named Tracy who is you know like I'm, farm probably these days wouldn't happen without Tracy because she's just an absolute weapon. Hmm. Um, you know, like I, I could talk probably more about that, but yeah, I'm not here to, to make Tracy feel good. Hopefully you're listening to this, Tracy. Um, but yeah, you know, like I did fly fly, which is a, a wicked event. If you want to learn, um, you know, it's a two week consolidation with some of the best coaches in the world. Like, I mean, hell, I remember some of my coaches were like Raphael Schweiger and Tom Baker, like dude, yeah. dude, yeah. serious. First time I met Sharon, you know, I met Domi, you know, like, ah, uh, ah, uh, what a, what a laundry list of legends. Yep. Um, but yeah, some other other really cool stuff, man. Like jumping over the Great Barrier Reef here was awesome. Uh, doing Fly for Life in Deland, yep. Funny Farm again. Uh, you know, um, 
actually more recently, you know, I've been to uh, Poland in 2018 to be the team manager for the Aussie Swoop team, which was sick. Um, actually, there's a funny story about me just meeting uh, Gregorz, who runs Deem. Yeah, like please. Flyware. Please. And, and he's like, oh, I'll tell you this after I finish off the list. But um, uh, so then, you know, made my way out to, to actually, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to tell you the story now. Yeah. The rest is not that important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so like I'm getting into swooping, right. Um, and, uh, you know, like after the Aussie record, I had a bit, a bit of a moment and kind of disappointed myself, whatever, and said, you know what, fuck it, swooping's for me. Um, and so, you know, I go like, you know what, I'm, I didn't make the Aussie team cause like I went to my first nationals, whatever. And, and, uh, and you know, I was an inter and came second. It's all good. So I'll, I'll be the Aussie team manager. I'll go over there. It'll, it'll lead into, um, angle week and stuff like that. And I said, cool, I'm going to go to Poland, be the team manager. Fantastic. Right. Um, was real exciting about that is that once the event like the world cup in poland in a place called ratswav or roklaw as i thought it was uh, finished um gregor who we effectively call seahorse because there's a bunch of us in australia can't say gregor so we call him seahorse <laughs> or deem for short uh he turns up the freaking polish godfather and and he's like calmer i'm like you doing here i'm like i mean of course it made sense it's poland you're polish whatever right. um <laughs> and he, he's like oh what are you up to i'm just like oh dude i'm just trying to work out what to do bet- for the next week or so before i go to angle week and hell i mean an aussie with no plan in europe he's like why don't you come to this event in this place called justania i'm like where the hell is that and he's like it's called go to hell boogie i'm like what oh. the hell? And anyway, there was a weird exchange trying to work out what the hell we were talking about. Right. Um, and uh, and he's just like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm leaving tomorrow, but come out to this place called Justania or Hell. And it's on this peninsula, like many, 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 many hours train ride away. And uh, there's this event, come and jump with it. And then we'll catch the ferry over to Angle Week. I'm like, perfect. Yeah. Absolutely freaking perfect. Yeah, this will be great. Anyway, so I, I, I the event ends, party night, love party night love party night <laughs> and uh you know i, I trained my way back from uh Ratzwav. trashed absolutely trashed to um to uh warsaw uh probably a bad idea to try and navigate polish <laughs> rural rail decimated from the night before right. or whatever made it work and uh had to get another connect to a place called gdynia gdansk and that was relatively easy because there was still english somewhere Right, and then there was the rural out to Justania, which is this like long peninsula, like a hundred kilometers long, or like a, how many fucking miles is that? I don't know, some amount of miles. Yeah, and uh, it's like five hundred meters to maybe a kilometer wide at some points. And he's got this event, which is right next to all this kiteboarding, next to this caravan park, and it's heaven, dude. And it's like Baltic Sea on one side, and then just like the Polish Sea on the other side, just completely two different sets of worlds, and it's basically sea everywhere. And you, you, you just, you just you just skydive heaps with a bunch of legends. You know, I turn up there, you know, Mamfi's there, Robert, you know, Roberto Hernandez, you know, you've got, um, uh, gosh, uh, blah, 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 French guy. No, name <laughs> escapes me. Sorry. I should know. I'm so sorry. I, I, I remember your name. Um, and you know, like, uh, we just, uh, we just skydive heaps and, um, and just party for a flat out week and then get on a, a ferry over to angle week and then bam. I mean, it's the randomness of it all, right? 
it's that's the coolest that's the coolest thing about it is you never fucking know where it's going to lead or who you're going to bump into. I mean, I've showed up at places where I assumed I wouldn't know anybody and half a dozen rock stars I've known throughout my entire career are just kicking back on the packing mat and you have no idea what's going on. So the randomness of that kind of stuff and where it can lead is bizarre. It is. Not to oh, mention it's, it's my favorite part. Well, and you mentioned the, the, the party culture of skydiving as well. It's funny to see the progression of new jumpers throughout their careers as they start to realize what the community is really like and what the parties are really like. And you can see the the A, B, C, and D licensed partiers. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It, it Absolutely, really is, man. man. I mean, you've, you've got yeah. uh, uh, the people with their pro ratings out there and the people that are still in AFF kind of, so to speak, and it's fucking hilarious because it's – Yeah, there's that – there's that one person still stuck on like F4, just repeating the stage. <laughs> yep, yep, over and over again. Well, and it, it's funny because those are the ones, just like with skydiving, the ones that seem to have the most trouble getting into it in the beginning are, are the ones that end up <laughs> ruling the roost, so to speak. They take it over. Man, I have seen some absolutely dreadful skydivers who are like nighttime party LO. You know, yep. like this, this is world-class LO who's turned up, and I'm like, please don't leave. Sky, yeah. skydiving's not for you but please don't leave <laughs> yeah oh no absolutely well and that's the cool thing about it right is uh, as soon as the sun goes down it doesn't matter what's happening on the landing area or who did what in the skydive it's party time and it's a whole different shift you know i mean it's all right that was fun or holy shit that was bad but it's time to move on <laughs> let's go party's on but but you know what man like before my generation like I, i've seen some of the footage i've heard the stories like people were fucking loose um and i feel like now Correct me if I'm wrong, like, I feel like it's all acro yoga and kale smoothies these days, you know what it's, I mean? Like, it's very different. It is definitely, um, it, I, I don't want to say that the parties aren't as intense because I know that some of them are. It's that, that they aren't so frequent and they aren't uh, um, just a matter of course. Like, it's a big deal when something really goes off, whereas my time, in, and I always fall back to cross keys because those were my wildest days, but for the, the roughly three years that I was there... It just didn't fucking stop. Like, you showed up for day one of the season, and nine months later, you left because you needed a break. <laughs> it was just full yeah. on all the time. You know, you sobered up to go jump, and you jumped your ass off, and as soon as the sun was down, you were back at it. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I I I think you're right. I think uh, I think you're really right. Actually, I think the the party is maybe not so visible, or maybe not quite so as expansive as it was before. Like it used to be, people were like doing jumps at 800 feet, you know, like twisted on you know a bunch of whiskey or whatever it is. Like it was just super loose. Whereas now, you know, I think it's like, uh, yeah, maybe not so visible, but it's it's still there. But I'm not sure it's as prevalent i certainly yeah. haven't seen it because of covid and stuff recently but that was yeah. kind of my observation well i just uh, i just had a great conversation with a a, a legend and uh, he's just about to turn 70 actually uh, as well a guy by the name of mo valetto uh, who is just a fucking legend in skydiving he was one of the stunt guys that did uh, some of the stunts in the movie drop zone i mean he's been around for quite some time so he's talking about uh, at one point during uh, uh, and the podcast may have been released by the time this one's comes out but uh, he was talking about uh, knowing the guy that invented the phrase uh, safety meeting. 
which is of course world famous and and uh he he talks about uh events where people were getting dosed on acid before they would go jump or oh my god yeah the reason that the whole safety meeting thing started and so i think that's a generational thing too right I, i i talked to bill booth who told me the best thing about learning how to skydive in the 60s was the drugs were better. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> fu- fucking hell, you know, and this is from a legend in the sport. And so I think uh, each generation kind of has their own version of it. And this one isn't, I don't think it's any more mellow. I think that people that are partying hard in skydiving now are partying just as hard. They're just being smarter about it. Like my generation. Yeah, more, more dis- more discreet. Yeah, more discreet. Sure. You know, yeah, my, my yeah. generation was the um, our little version of the 60s. You know, we were fucking uh, hippies and wild child and all over the place and didn't give a flying fuck who thought what. And and uh, this generation is a little bit more subtle, which is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's bad, man. Like, um, I'm, there's probably two things I want to say here. Is like, I, I think that it's gone a long way to the... Uh, What's what I'm looking for? The professionalism of skydiving. Like, you sure. know, in order for it to be taken as seriously by ourselves and other sure. people, you know, man, look how look how far tunnel flying has come. It's a legit sport. There's legit careers. There are some legit athletes. Like, holy oh, yeah. hell. And, you know, you look at people like Airwax, you go, God damn. That's, yep. that's them taking it real seriously. And, you know, like, if it's if it's just a bunch of yahoos just getting, like, full loose every weekend, every week, you know what I mean? It, it, we don't take it as seriously, and other people don't take it seriously. And, you know, like, it's it's probably – yeah, I think it's a discount to call skydiving a sport. It's obviously a lifestyle, right? There's a sport element to it. But, you know, like, uh, in order for us to be able to reap the rewards of the investment, you know, we've got to have – more money coming to the sport. We've got to have more, you know, observation from the outside, more de- all of that stuff, all the demos, you know, NASCAR, blah, 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 blah. Sure. Um, so yeah, we, we've, we've got to take it seriously. And I think, you know, maybe a little bit of partying disappearing for five of the seven days is maybe not bad. But, no, it's, it's know. not a bad thing at all. Uh, I'm, and again, that, that discretion is something that uh, uh, a lot of my generation didn't show, at least back when it was, you know, hard charging. Uh, but it is a good thing. But there, again, that's one of the cool things, at least in my estimation, about the community is everybody's got that little twinkle in their eye because everybody knows or they've been to one of those parties or they've been in that type of environment. And so you kind of all know that behind the scenes, you know, you roll up the uh, the button up shirt and you're going to find some ink, you know. Oh man, yeah. Well, yeah, we we're two freaking tattooed dudes sitting. Here. Absolutely. You know that was kind of funny too. I I uh, um I, I just finished getting my or almost finished getting my second sleeve. You know, uh, I guess my extended version of a midlife crisis is I keep getting ink. Um and but if you put me in a button up shirt and a tie, I look like a normal you know middle aged white dude going to do whatever. But as soon as the sleeves get rolled up, it's oh shit. And I always kind of like that. And I think skydiving is its own version of that. You can be walking down the street and everybody just assumes you're a normal person and they don't realize that this is this is who you really are, which is kind of cool. Mm. I do like that man as well. You know, like just to kind of draw the parallels about tattooing, you know, like I'm 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 half Korean and my mom definitely does not like the 80 hours of tattooing I have on my body. <laughs> right. Um and yeah, and it's the same thing like the workplace, you know, like people can judge you and stuff like that. But you know the 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 the, the secretness of what it is you kind of keep close to yourself that you don't have to necessarily advertise is is really valuable, you know. Oh yeah. You don't necessarily you are not you are not necessarily well, you are not actually the product of what people think you are, you are whatever it is that you think you are and whatever you want to be. You know sure. what I mean? And if that's a 
person with a heap of free fall experience that no one knows has that. It's just like, cool, that's your secret to enjoy on your own. Absolutely. Well, it's kind of, it kind of is that little secret you get to keep in the back of your head. And, and obviously when I was new in skydiving, every fucking buddy within a 10 mile radius knew I was jumping out of airplanes because oh, everybody, totally. <laughs> of course, it's, it was the old joke about a pilot. How do you know which guy in the room is a pilot? Don't worry. He'll tell you. He'll well, tell you. same thing with yeah. being a skydiver and same thing with when I was a new pilot, but you kind of get past that and realize, well, wait a second. First off, these people don't fucking care. Um, if you're doing this and second off, it's kind of cool to keep that as a little secret because you, I hate to say this cause it's a horrible thing to say, but you have this feeling of superiority. Like these people don't know what I can do. I know how to fly. I can do this shit. I jump out of planes. I, and you kind of really do walk around not above it all, but you just kind of think I've got a secret that these people don't know about. And it's, it's really kind of cool. Totally, man. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember back in the day, it's like walking to a skate shop, got to buy some skate shoes, and they and they're just like, "Oh, here's your skate shoes, sir." And I'm just like, "Yeah, you know, you know, they're the best shoes for skydiving." And they're just like, "I don't give a fuck." And it's just like at the supermarket, it's just like, "Yeah, I'm bu- buying this carrot for skydiving on the weekend." It's just any opportunity to tell people I was a skydiver is like, "Oh yeah, I lo- you know, bubble gum is best before sky." It's just anything. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's just uh, yeah. And but one that, out of kind a, of like one out of a thousand people will actually go, "Oh, you skydive?" <laughs> yeah. And, and then enough time transpires where people are like, hey, what do you get up to? And I, the answer I have for them is like camping. I'm yeah. into camping because no one gives a flying fuck about camping. No, no. one asks any more questions. No. Yeah. Although oh, I find of, it, it's also really weird too. I'll be out and, and uh, um, I'll meet people through friends or girlfriends or whatever that, that don't know that I uh, fly or don't know that I skydive. And, and uh, I'll have you know a t-shirt or something on and all the ink shows and – and I'm very much myself all the time, so I still cuss way too much, and I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not particularly presentable a lot of the time. And they'll ask, "What do you do?" And I always just, "Oh, I'm a I'm a, I'm a pilot." You're a, you're a yep. what? I, I fly planes. What like little planes? And I'm like, "No, I'm an airline transport pilot." And you can just see their eyes get so big, like you fly Bang. people. <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> yes, yes, I do. You know, and I always thought that was kind of funny as well because you, it's funny how you can kind of keep people off guard, like you as well. You know, the if people in your IT didn't know you jumped out of airplanes and then they ask, oh, What are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm going to go do some crazy shit jumping out of airplanes. Then they're like, uh, What? So yeah. it's kind of nice to, to um, flip things on its head as well. Oh, dude, I, I think I just want to draw a parallel to, to swooping, hey, because um, like more recently, swooping has been my game. Right. And it's been super cool to see over in that space as well. Everyone is just humble and chill. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you just because it's, it's, it's always that really disappointing moment where you, you meet your heroes and you go like, oh, you're a dickhead. Yep. Oh, no. Yep. But it's really cool to kind of cruise around and then uh, you meet people like, I don't know, like Max Mano. And Marco first, and you go, you are straight up legends. Yep. Like straight up and down legends, you know? Yep. And then, you know, you meet, meet a whole bunch of other people and stuff like that. Kurt, super cool. You know, you, you meet all of these people and you go, ah, oh, I'm so glad you're not dickheads. This yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, uh, it's, uh, it's funny. My, uh, my first canopy coach, his name's Darren Griggs. And I messaged him and said, oi. I'm uh, I'm <laughs> I'm talking to someone. I'm might talk a, a little bit about you. Um, he he's this uh, hilarious dude. Like when I first met him, my first canopy coach, fifty jumps. I'm scared as fuck. Scared of heights. Scared of pulling the toggles. And he said to me, "Cool, 
pull the strings, don't go in. And I was like, how do you say that to me? Um, <laughs> as a canopy coach, hilarious. Fast forward eight years. Uh, I mean, I tell my students, please don't go in. Um, I obviously say in, in, in a, a more effective way, but yeah, kind of to that to some extent. But, uh, you know, it's um, we've got some really, really talented people around um, who don't put it out there for the whole world to see in a, an extravagant sense. They kind of do it with their actions alone. Sure. Um, you know, like, here, yeah, like here, here is the results of the hard work I've been putting in. There it is, you know. Yep. Um, and it's, 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 it's amazing that we've got people like that around us who are just putting in fucking work all the time. Like Olga. Look at Olga. Oh, yeah. Weapon. Yeah, no, she's she's a certified fucking badass because she yeah. and she'll be the first one to admit she was a horrible canopy pilot. Like people didn't want her to skydive because they were convinced she was going to kill herself under a canopy. Uh, I will admit once or twice I thought she was going to kill herself under a canopy, but it's <laughs> putting in that hard work, and she really, really is earning it. You know, I mean, you've got her and you've got Cornelia, who is as just mellow and nice as you can possibly be. I, I you know, I mean, Pablo Hernandez, an absolute gent, and he's out there smashing it. Junior, same thing. You know, I mean, all these amazing canopy pilots, and I've been lucky enough to have so many of them on the podcast, and you get to talk to all these people, and then step it up a notch, and you've got uh people like julian or uh, all the boys out at icarus that are kicking ass building these canopies that are pushing the fucking limits and talking to attila yeah. and him going yeah i don't want to test jump these things anymore because i scared the shit out of myself <laughs> and then sending me the video and it, but they're so yeah, humble yeah, yeah. about it you know and and uh that's one yeah. of the most impressive things is you're watching people do shit that's almost inhuman and they're super chill super relaxed Man, I, I I gotta bring this up. Like, um, I did not include Cornelia, Cornelia Mihai in the list of legends. I should have absolutely included Corns. I freaking love you. You are a you are a treasure. We will have you in Australia as an Australian in a moment. Like, we love you, Cornelia. Yeah. But like in uh, in 2018, when I went to Poland, like I was doing a project for our Australian Parachute Federation to actually interview a couple of couple of people to kind of build out like an interview series to to show to some to our canopy community, and. Uh, you know, like I didn't know anyone. Like I, I was just getting into to, to swooping, and I'd seen the photo, the videos on Instagram. I'm like, oh my god! Um, and uh, I actually got the opportunity to interview Cornelia and Greg Winmiller and Ian Bobo. Mm. Like, what Legend. a all star crew of swoop legends. It was just legends in general, but obviously skydiving and swoop legends. Yeah. And uh, man, I probably need to actually release this to the wider wider world this material because it's it is just straight up and down fantastic information mm. about you know how to stay hungry how to motivate yourself how to to look after yourself how to um to to, to push new boundaries um but you know also the the thing that i really liked is like none of them profess to be perfect or come out the gates perfect but to go listen this is what i learned from mistakes i'm like oh cool you guys make mistakes too yep. yeah yeah so good yeah, it's huge. I mean, uh, talking to Luigi Cani and finding out, you know, that the shit that he's doing scares the piss out of him, but he controls that fear. And, and talking to, again, legends in swooping or skydiving in any facet um, who talk about making mistakes and having to overcome that stuff. And especially, especially in swooping, overcoming the uh, injuries and the burrs that that can put in your brain, you know, having to work to get past that kind of stuff. Because. I know from uh, experience with stuff like that, it takes a while to get back in the saddle and to to get hurt and get back, uh, you know, 
under the lines and and having fun and pushing it again that's tough man it takes a um a real mental strength that people want to hear about big time yeah i mean well, i mean maybe i can talk about some of my injuries you know what i mean please like please the, um i remember in 2013 i was maybe on an a license or a b license i went for a jump with this this german guy who was a packer and uh you know like it, it, when you're new you still think i have to land in the circle Mm. I'll land in that circle. I've got to hit that accuracy requirements, do or die. I'm landing in that circle. Anyway, long story short, low turn, hit the ground, and then like I don't want to use the word bounce because it's inappropriate, but effectively I fucking bounced back up. Um, and the canopy was still in full flight. And then I, I sailed off into the distance a little bit, and then boom. And then man, people were not happy. People were scared. People were running. All that stuff. Yep. Um, but because I was a thick boy, my body was fairly resilient. And you know, Don, the the Dizo owner and stuff like that, said, "You fucking idiot!" <laughs> he just said, "Get in there and brush off my 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 rental rig, you idiot!" Uh, yeah, he let me know what time it was. Um, but I actually still carry that injury today. I actually tore um, this thing called levator scapula in my left shoulder, and so every morning I wake up and it it, it it's it's uh, it's 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 tough. Yep. And I'm constantly reminded and loosening it off all the time. So you know, like we we have these moments, but. Um, you know, like uh, I remember uh, in 2017, I, I was um, at, f- at my second farm and, uh, you know, you, you, you burn the candles at both ends. You jump hard and as hard as you can. Um, it's maybe not so much that these days anyway, uh, but man, we'll see you next week. But um, <laughs> I, I remember this one swoop, like I got put in the, the, the top group at farm in 2017 and we were doing these hectic jumps. And um, uh, yeah, we're jumping with Kai Kai. Who also legend? Yeah. Shout out to Kai Kai. Yeah. Um, also a thick boy, so like I appreciated the way he flies. Right. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, actually, uh, I was setting up for a 270, and there was another guy setting up in front of me doing a, a 450, and you know, he, he took a bit of time. Uh, I was lower, but I'm like, cool. He's, he's set up at the pond. He should go. Um, and so I was there setting up for this 270 on a JFX 94, I think it was at the time, and uh, I was lower than i should have been and i didn't account for it and i hit the the water so hard so close to the edge roger thought i was going to die and i looped through the lines everything the footage is pretty hectic it took me a while to watch it mm. um tore an mcl uh, in my right knee and lost part of my hamstring in my left leg um which uh, still affects my squat to these days sure um so i still fall off to the right but man like that was a real real wake-up call hey like i had to to change a whole approach to swooping sure um and i still carry that to this day like the injuries but also the perspective change which is um every every swoop is starts off with an abort and i find a reason to swoop like sure. i look for a reason to swoop rather than look for a reason to abort because it's pretty convenient you'll always find a reason not to abort well you know i mean bottom line is uh, this is the only sport uh, or only activity i've ever found where it, it actually learning from other people's mistakes is the smartest thing you can do uh I've, for the rest of my life i have to make my own mistakes but in this one i want to learn from others because just like you i carry the memory of injuries in the sport forever and and, you know, at 35, uh, trust me, it gets worse as you get older. <laughs> Every injury I've uh, ever yeah, had yeah, in the yeah, sport. No oh, fuck me, man. But it's kind of a, it's a, it's a good tap on the shoulder to, Hey, you remember when you were an idiot? Don't do that again. Cause this is what happens. And it's kind of, it's kind of that rolling memory of, okay, this is what stupid feels like. Oh, totally. man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember, um, uh, it was like the new years of 2018, 2019, uh we had this event in a place called maria which uh if you're listening google it like skydive oz and maria like 
heaven, dude, flat out heaven. And, um, and that was a wicked event called Skyfest. And, uh, I was organizing and doing a whole bunch of jumping and, you know, like just pretty tired at the end, the last jump of the year, the last jump of the event. And, uh, I, I send it for this wicked fast angle and, uh, you know, people, uh, smiling back and going, yeah, 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 high fives, that's stuff. Anyway, deploy, happy things, all good. Um, coming in to set up this 450, and uh, I had in my mind set up like, cool, I'm going to swoop between the air blades, the wind blades. And so come in, pretty tired, whatever, swoop, uh, see the wind blades. I'm like, what is someone doing standing on the other side of this wind blade? I'm like, oh, I had not seen them. Yeah. Anyway, so I've uh, committed to the line, so I'm like, I've got to find a way through this line. And so I swoop through the middle but then i'm about to hit this person so then i, I kind of carve it to the right and i was a, a fraction too early just a fraction and the inside of my um uh my canopy on the right hand side the a-line gets clipped and boom on my layer 86 loaded at like 2.8 just yeah. straight up mac and just planed out throws me to the ground bang knockout uh concussed um and uh, uh, there was so much footage from all the different angles. I was sent footage for weeks. Like, have you seen this angle? I'm like, no, I haven't seen this angle. Fuck off. <laughs> um, and it was actually, it was actually, it was actually a really embarrassing moment for me. Like, I the only injury I had hilariously was a um, a big like blown up lip. Like again, I got really lucky with that one as well. Sure. Um, those two ones, and you know, I just had to deal with the fact that I was a fucking idiot, um, and try to um, take away the lesson, which is have a good plan. Um, don't assemble things and watch it when you're tired, you know, and try to help others kind of see it for what it is too. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, you're going to learn from those lessons for sure. It's a, it's a hard way to learn them, but it's also really funny how when stuff like that is happening, it all in such a fast paced sport slows down so fucking much. Oh shit. I've fucked up. Yeah. It's going to take a while for this fuck up and it's going to suck when it's over. And all of this is taking place in the, you know, the five seconds, six seconds. Yeah. <laughs> While all Half hell breaks loose. Yeah. It's amazing it's totally, how much yeah. clarity of mind you can have to realize, oh, I'm fucked. <laughs> this is not good. Oh, man. Dude, I had, a, I had a big spill in South Africa at World Cup in 2019. Uh, uh, it, was, it was my first, uh, if, like, worlds, like, competing. Um, and I did so bad, but I also did so good. Um, in terms of, like, if you actually looked at the result, like, I think I came second last. Mm. Um, but I came in with so much expectation on myself, and I came in with so much hope and desire and stuff like that and it was not the mindset i carry through when i normally swoop or when i compete and stuff like that so you know problem 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 and pat k wicked coach wicked yeah. legend shout out to pat k yeah um he kind of helped me through uh getting my shit together um to a point um but i i full fingered myself on the last jump it was uh, speed and uh you know it's five thousand feet agl asl sorry and uh it's it's macking it's just <laughs> there's only word for man it's mackin like yeah. i'm setting up two times as far back as you normally do whatever and uh i am not dirty low i'm like l just low lowercase l low and uh hip, hip hip check the water uh hit a bollard with my lines and as i'm effectively like barrel rolling and glancing across the water like full aquaplaning i remember in that moment thinking Oh man, I hope it doesn't get too dirty. Is my gear going to be too wet? I got a flight tomorrow. As I'm cruising along the water, and then somehow manage to settle on the like this amazing red dust on the other side, and then you know, like you know, when you're 
you have a spill and you need to let everybody know you're okay. I'm like, I'm conscious. Hand can go up. A hand goes bang straight up. Yep. And I hadn't thought like, actually, I'm okay. I'm just letting you know I'm not unconscious or dead. Yeah. That's a really good start. Because um, yeah, unfortunately, Alex Hart actually had a bit of an issue before um, after, afterwards as well. He hit as well. So it was something about our past. Um, and uh, yeah, so I see all these Aussies running towards me. And then, you know, I stand up and then I hear the crowd go, yay! Because I'm not dead, which is great. Yep. And not unconscious, also great. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm running slightly sore neck. But yeah, you know, like it's amazing how much you can calculate and contemplate in a short amount of time when shit's going down. So much. Well, in, in, uh, it becomes almost commonplace in skydiving because a normal, uneventful skydive, um, regardless of what you're doing, if it's something you're used to, is long. You know, I mean, the, the four or five minutes from the time you leave the airplane to the time you're back on the ground, that's a long time for a skydiver. Time slows down dramatically. So, you know, you have on top of that at another 15 seconds of, oh shit, but it's not that panicked. Oh shit. It's the, all right, how many different ways can this go bad now? How do I mitigate as much as possible? And so it's very difficult for a non-jumper to understand or someone that doesn't put themselves in our situations to understand how fucking quickly your brain gets going to try and problem solve or convince yourself that it's not going to be as bad yeah, as yeah, it yeah, might yeah. be. <laughs> I've been in the middle of that. You're either convincing yourself that you're dead or you're convincing yourself that, now nah, I'll be able to walk this one off and you haven't even stopped fucking moving yet. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, it's it, it's such a uh, an understatement to say our game is a mind game. You know what I mean? And it kind of sets you up for a life of trying to overcome mind games, right? Yes. Skydiving will mind games at you in the plane, on the packing mat, um, in freefall, under canopy, at home. God, it's mind gaming all the time. That's oh the God, best mind game ever. Oh, yeah. I mean, it will for your entire sport. You know, I mean, I used to have a spot on the highway that if I turned around at that spot, I could go home without jumping and I could feel good about myself. But if I drove past that spot, I had to go make one jump or I would feel like shit because I'd be scared going out to the drop zone. And then there still relatively low time. I think I had maybe 60 jumps and me and a buddy are going up in the 182 and he forgot his altimeter and I forgot my goggles. So we both rode the plane down like fucking idiots instead of, well, all right, I don't have (laughs) goggles, but you've got an altimeter. So here take the, or take my altimeter or you take my goggles or I'll just fly on my back. No, none of that. You were just scared, you know, Uh, all that stuff. So it's a, it's a total mental game. And I mean, throwing a little bit of luck in skydiving as well. I, I, we're all uh, a definite benefactor beneficiaries of luck for sure. Big time, man. I had this, uh, this, uh, ass student on the plane on the weekend and uh, he was all flustered. Was like, oh, oh, no one told me that, it, you know, there was a call and, and, you know, get a gear check. And just like e- everything that he was flustered about, you know, just like, cool, I'll engage with that, whatever, gear check, gear check, gear check. And then in the plane, he was like, uh, oh, man, you know what? Uh, I'm really sorry. And I said to him, dude, you're about to do a skydive. Just chill. Best thing you can do is chill. Yeah. Whatever it is that you're doing in your head right now is not making the problem any better. Relax. I got no problem with it. You got no problem with it. Go have a fucking good job. Oh, yeah. My my go-to line for tandem students or AFFs that were having a really tough time was, if you weren't nervous, then I would be concerned. 
You should be yeah. nervous. You're going to jump out of a fucking airplane. There's a lot of shit going on, but take a deep breath because we're going to get through it just fine, you know. But it's it, you really do have to play, you know, an on the spot psychiatrist and talk people through shit, which is one of the funnest things about skydiving. It's one of the reasons that I enjoyed being a tandem instructor so much is because you've got to sum up this entire human being in front of you in a matter of minutes to do what you need to do to get them out of an airplane safely, you know. And so it's a lot of fun. So, oh, big time. Yeah. I mean, there's, please there's, go ahead. There's like four people in mind uh, to me who are like just full masters of like the mind game uh, stuff. You know, like I've got four mates like uh, Andrew Keir, um, Tane Farron, uh, Reed Ramage. They're kind of a crew called AWOL, but just like full, full masters of the mindset, you know. And, there's, sure. and Dave Heinemann as well. Uh, Reed and I uh, and Dave, we all started skydiving at about a similar amount of time, but like uh, uh, the, the knowledge you know, bombs they drop on me around trying to how to restructure my mindset and, and get better for, you know, just all of this sort of stuff is super valuable. Sure. Like I remember Dave, me like once upon a time, like, um, Hey Coleman, man, I really wish that goals didn't exist. I'm like, what the actual fuck are you talking about? He's just like, yeah, man, I just, for me, the, 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 the journey is the goal. I'm like, God damn, you are like five years old, bro. Like where did that knowledge bomb come from? Right. Like he's, he's at, He's at least 18, but I think he's like 21. I'm not sure. Dude's young. But um, yeah, like there's this, there's, uh, we're all pretty lucky to have some fucking switched on dudes around us. And I've got a couple of really switched on dudes. Well, and that's the other cool thing about the sport too, is age has absolutely no relevance in skydiving. None whatsoever. It, it, I meet guys that are 20 years younger than me that are ridiculously wise beyond their years. And I know guys that are 20 years older than me that are pfft, fucking idiots and they're out still just doing silly shit and having fun and i love it age has yeah. nothing to do with it uh, money has nothing to do with it status has nothing to do with it that's my favorite thing is it's an equal playing field for the most part yeah for sure for sure yeah so well, i was gonna to- i was gonna ask before we uh before we wrap things up how did you get uh, started out with uh, um with icarus and nz aerosports oh man uh I've flown a lot of NZA wings, hey? Like, a lot. Like, I think my first two wings were Sabres, and then I got into, like, a whole suite of Crossfires, 149s, 129s, 119s, 109s, JFX. I did a small foray with, a like, a Velocity 96, mm-hmm. um, but I made a compilation video called um, Fuck You Velocity, which is a compilation of all of the worst openings with me screaming, Fuck You Velocity. Um, <laughs> I don't mean saying Velocities are bad wings. I'm just saying that the Velocity I had can eat shit and die um and uh, i have no idea where it is now but uh the further away from me the better but man like i started started flying like uh like a jfx like blew my mind how good that wing was hey you know the layer 86 was just like dude are you serious are you serious you made the layer what is this thing right um and uh, got myself a 79 layer and i'm like I, I i'm getting serious on swooping i am a um you know, I'm a pretty, pretty mature free fly coach. I've been free fly coaching for a long time. Um, and, uh, you know, I want to get serious about competitive swooping. And I'm getting into XRW now. So I'm ordering a Petra 69, which I load at 3.5 without weight. Mm. Ho. Yeah. Uh, but I've got my Petra 70. And you know, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just fucking all in on the NZA thing, right? And if I'm going to do this and, I, and I'm going to do it seriously, I, I figure the only way I can swoop is with a wing. I mean, no shit, but, um, and I want a partnership with a manufacturer who I'm, I'm into, you know what I mean? And I'm not saying other wings aren't great. Sure. I'm, I'm definitely not saying that. 
all modern wings are amazing. All manufacturers are doing their best. For me, NZA make the fucking bees knees. Sure. You know what I mean, I'm sure. such an old wing. They, they make the fucking best <laughs> best wings. You know what I mean? Um, well, for me, it's the so I, it's the business model. Is my I mean, come on. <laughs> how good is it? How good is it? Like, I had an NZ uh, fuck yeah sticker before I'd ever seen an NZ canopy. Which, I mean, it just, the fucking business model is about as skydiving as you can possibly get. It's just awesome. Bro, if you if you ever met, I mean, you obviously met Gyro. Yeah. And uh, you have a fucking Heineken with Gyro. Like, you never forget it. Like, dude. Like, I mean, rest in peace, bro. But, like, uh, NZA, like, the level of support they give me, the way they respond to the queries I have, what they do, the level of innovation, like I was just like, now I, I want a partner and NZA, you're it. I mean, yeah. like it, the fact that they're across the ditch in New Zealand is a bonus. It wasn't the reason, but man, I, I first time I jumped to Leia, I went, this is for me. Nice. You know what I mean? Nice. And it, it continues to be the wing for me. And the Petra just, it, honestly, it has spoiled the Leia, but what a problem to have. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a first world problem right there. So oh, hey, as we time, as time. we as we wrap things up, uh, how do people um, find you for free fly coaching? How do they find out where you're going to compete? How do they follow you? How do they figure out what you're doing next? Um, you, you know what, man, I'm pretty easy on the social media stuff. I haven't got an athlete page or anything like that set up because, I mean, it sounds silly, but I, I don't really see myself as as an athlete despite what I do. I probably should do it. Um, I've got a Facebook page. Like I'll, I'll accept. You know, introduct you know Facebook requests from whoever really. Sure. Um, I'm on Instagram as Simon I think it is. Um, <laughs> and I haven't got Twitter because uh, I, I people just don't need to hear the inner monologue I have. It's just it's just too much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, pretty pretty active on the free fly coaching scene in Australia. For now, it's just Australia with COVID. Um, but you know, I've got some some big designs on um, on swooping around the world. You know, just warming up. And same thing with XRW. Like I, yeah, I want to I want to make it my thing. Awesome. Awesome. Well, dude, I'm yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, post COVID what uh, comes out of the free fly coaching around the world, the XRW, and especially the swoop and stuff. But I tell you what, man, I cannot thank you enough for uh, bringing your box of wine and, <laughs> and sitting down and shooting the shit with me. So, cheers, long distance well, I mean, for that. That's it. <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. I've, I've really, really freaking enjoyed this. Awesome, awesome, Simon. Take care, man. You too, dude. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Lunatic Fringe Podcast brought to you as always by, well, wait, not as always, actually. Brought to you now by Gyro. Formerly known as NZ Aerosports, you'll head to gyro.com for their next level line of canopies. By Pussfoot, the Extreme Sports Collective. Head over to pussfoot.com to check it out. By Summit Parachute Systems, Check out SummitParachuteSystems.com to talk to Jarrett Martin and the gang about kick-ass pilot rigs, rigging courses, and more. By Flyaway Indoor Skydiving. Go to FlyawayTN.com and check out all the cutting-edge stuff to come. By Pure Spectrum CBD. Head to PureSpectrumCBD.com to check out their wide range of CBD products. And as for us, head to the LunaticFringePodcast.com to listen to any of the hundreds of episodes currently available. Hit the link for our YouTube channel, pick up your copy of the Lunatic Fringe book or The Accidental Stripper, and get a sneak peek at upcoming guests. Once again, thanks for listening, we'll see you next time.
Christmas.